Jamie and I, Drew Amanda, with you here on a Friday afternoon. Thanks for uh, spending some of it with us uh, here on the Green Zone. Only three games in the NHL uh, tonight. There are a bundle tomorrow. Uh, we'll get to the Green Zone Tic Tac 20 contest with a jackpot up to $1,900 a little later. But one of those games tonight in Chicago, the Chicago Blackhawks taking on the Winnipeg Jets. And Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun at times joins us here. Uh, ben, how's it going today? Pretty good. Uh, looking forward to another game. Uh, lots of home games this month for the Blackhawks. It's been nice to have a break from the travel. And yeah, thanks for having me. So uh, it's going to be a busy weekend. We'll get to the Patrick Kane uh, tribute that'll be coming on uh, Sunday as he makes his return. But you have Connor Bedard back in the lineup in Chicago. Uh, you've been covering this team. We've been talking about it here on the Green Zone. How big of a pest was Connor Bedard with the trainers, the athletic therapists, the coaching staff? to get back on the ice after breaking his jaw. Yeah, he was pushing pretty hard from the very start. Uh, as we saw by him skating again just a week after the surgery back in January, and really the whole process, he was uh, kind of pushing the needle, trying to get back or take the next step as soon as he possibly could, whether that was moving into non-contact jersey for team practice and then um, taking part in drills, getting to take slap shots, uh, going to the All-Star game. Um, and pretty much the whole time, the Hawks were trying to stay as patient as they could and um, keep uh, keep him from doing anything too risky to, to risk re-aggravating his jaw or anything. But uh, eventually, uh, as we saw a week or two ago, uh, he was able to finally get his way and get back in the lineup a few games before expected, a little bit ahead of the original timeline. And uh, he's certainly proven that was a smart decision. He hasn't had any more uh, complications, and he's produced uh, even at a higher rate than before. So it seems like he was able to to not really miss a beat with this. The back and forth the other night with he and Nick Foligno uh, on the little back and forth on the bench, a little bit of joking here and there about, you know, Nick Foligno saying, you calling me slow? And then that wry smirk after he said it. Um, How much has that relationship been important and it started from the get-go uh, when we interviewed Melanie Bedard, his mom, that Nick was one of the first to reach out to Connor and saying, hey, if you need uh, a place to come have dinner, it's my place with my wife and my kids. You're always welcome. How important has that leadership been from Nick for Connor Bedard? Yeah, Felino has been uh, basically the de facto captain of this team from the very start of the season. Right when he came in, I think even in training camp, he was having pretty much everyone else on the team over for dinner. And as you mentioned, and that's actually continued throughout the year, I think he has kind of regular dinner parties at his house with not just Connor, but um, some of the other young guys on the team like Kevin Korczynski um, and Alex Vlasic and, and Arvid Soderblom and um, Lucas Reichel. So he, he's been a big mentor for a lot of the next generation of this team. And he, he just has that kind of leadership personality. He's a funny guy, a talkative guy. Uh, it's, uh, he probably has, uh, inter- interactions like that probably every game with somebody and they just don't get picked up on the mics the way that one did with Bedard. But, uh, that one was pretty funny and that's just kind of the, the way his personality is. And that's been really helpful, especially considering how, you know, tough a season it's been in terms of wins and losses, just to have that, that levity and that guy, um, kind of keeping things in line and bringing that experience and, uh, certainly, it's, it's been really helpful for Bedard as well. I mean, they've been line mates for a lot of the year, and um, Felino's produced pretty well. They've they've been able to, to team up some, and Philip Kershev on the other side of that line has also worked pretty well with Connor 
at least it's a stopgap option for now until they figure out the long-term plan. So uh, they've done their best to try to support Connor and give him some some help in terms of both on-ice talent and off-ice guidance, even though it is such an early stage of the rebuild. And, and certainly Felina has been a big part of that. Ben, tell me about uh, Kevin Korczynski, uh, a terrible thing that he has had to go through, tragedy with his family. And um, I thought what the Blackhawks did flying to Saskatoon was amazing. And when asked about it, um, Polino said that's what brothers do, which spoke volumes about the Blackhawks and and what they're trying to do and what they're trying to build. But uh, what's Kevin's game been like throughout the year? Well, it's certainly been a big learning year for him. I mean, 19-year-olds, yeah. uh, especially as a defenseman, I mean, that's a huge adjustment to come in. And I think it, if it had been possible, I think maybe it would have benefited him to spend some time in the AHL uh, just to have a little bit smoother adjustment instead of going straight from uh, juniors to the NHL. But he's held his own, and I think the Hawks believe that the lessons he's learning this year, both in terms of from practice and the coaches and then also just kind of trial by fire, in these games are going to help him long-term. And even though maybe it's a struggle at times for him and he hasn't produced a whole lot the way um, he did in juniors and the way he's expected to eventually, uh, that all of the lessons he learned and all the experience he gains this year will help him come in next year um, a step ahead of the curve of where he otherwise would have been. So they're kind of willing to let him have those ups and downs and those learning experiences and, and make some mistakes because they think that it'll benefit him long-term. And uh, his, his confidence has, has held up pretty well. I was talking to him about that the other day, and he still feels fully confident, and he's been able to bounce back from each of the tough periods or tough games and, and have a solid game the next time. I think we're seeing him also getting a little more confident in one-on-one situations, being willing to make a little move to get around a guy or uh, make a stretch pass when he's facing pressure in the D zone. So, we're seeing some progress, and I think uh, even when he does maybe have a mistake or, or fail in a situation, that'll still benefit him eventually. This is an impossible question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. You saw that team grow together to become champions when they were the Chicago Blackhawks, which I would call a dynasty back then. Um, and, and I'm not asking if you're seeing them grow together to be a champion team, but do you see them as the young players that some of them are and the the mix that they have, that they're starting to understand the game together and, and grow in the NHL together? Yeah, we're seeing a little bit of that. Um, it, it's a little tough to tell because so many of the guys in the team yes. are still more stopgap guys. It's not like they have the full next generation in the NHL already, but I think we're seeing that a little bit with guys like Bedard and Korczynski and Vlasic. And I think in the next few years, we're going to see that a lot more. Even at the end of this season, they have a couple college prospects, Landon Flaggard and Frank Nazar, who are expected to kind of move up and make their NHL debuts probably in the last few weeks of the season. And that'll be exciting to see. And I think as time goes on, um, more and more of their prospect pool, which is arguably the best in the league, will graduate mm-hmm. up. And, and then we'll start to see those guys playing together instead of developing on their own in their own you know, current spots. And uh, once they're united, I think we'll see a little bit more of that process of them gelling and them learning to win and succeed together. Ben Pope joining us of the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, speaking of those championship Blackhawks Sunday, um, Patrick Kane returns with the Detroit Red Wings 
as Connor Bedard joked, he can't wait to see the video tribute because he watched his highlights hundreds of times growing up as a big fan of Patrick Kane. Uh, but what are you expecting to see Sunday with one of the legends of those uh, three-time Stanley Cup champions getting honored as a welcome back to Chicago? Well, it's going to be a huge game, not only for the Patrick Kane angle, but also because Chris Chelios is having his jersey retired. Oh, that's night. right. There's a ceremony uh, two hours before puck drop for him, so it's quite a confluence of welcome back for legends of two different eras. And uh, I think the tickets are, I mean, obviously it's sold out months ago, but I think even the resale tickets are through the roof. And it's going to be a raucous atmosphere. It's going to be a lot of emotions, too, um, considering a lot of fans – didn't really get to say goodbye to, to Kane and um, wish and many of them wish he had been brought back and or at least even if they realize that this is kind of a new chapter of the Hawks and then don't feel that way it'll still be kind of weird to see him not only playing for another team but playing for the Red Wings the historically maybe the Hawks biggest rival so. <laughs> um, and Alex Dabrinkit too alongside him I mean Dabrinkit's been back to the United Center since um, he left uh, originally with Ottawa but uh to see them together will also be interesting. So there's a ton of angles going on Sunday. It's going to be a really big day for the city and for the franchise. And um, it should be interesting to see kind of what kind of performance Kane will put on and, and also what Bedard will put on. I think he'll be motivated to try to show his best uh, against the guy that he grew up idolizing. Well, Ben, we always appreciate you taking the time for us here in Saskatchewan. Enjoy tonight and, of course, enjoy uh, Sunday uh, with the uh, Hawks and the Jets and then the Red Wings in town. Yep, thanks so much for having me. That is Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun-Times here on the Green Zone. As Bedard's back in the lineup, one of his idols growing up, Patrick Kane, he goes up against him on a Sunday, and the Winnipeg Jets are there tonight. And speaking of the Jets, we'll talk a little bit more about the story that came out on The Athletic with Mark Chipman saying what is currently happening isn't sustainable, but the Jets are putting in the work to try to get more season ticket holders back uh, at their arena, one of the smallest in the National Hockey League, as attendance has dipped to below 13,000. Their season ticket base has dropped about 3,000 as well since the pandemic. And that ain't working for the business sense of the Winnipeg Jets. But coming up next, we have $1,900 to play for for the Green Zone Tic Tac 20 contest. We'll tell you who is playing for that money on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Jamie Niger, Mendel with you here on the Green Zone on a uh, Friday afternoon. Uh, Drew, just before we came back from break, uh, producer Scott said, I'm playing this song because he's got a feeling, he's got a good feeling that the money's going this weekend in the Green Zone oh, Tic Tac 20 okay. contest. <laughs> okay. Someone's going to win $1,900 tomorrow with the Green Zone Tic Tac 20 contest. Well, this week, who, somebody scored with 19 seconds in the game. I think it was oh, uh, Ekblad did yeah. it this week. And then last yeah. week, it was the Thursday game. Sidney Crosby yep. did it with 16 seconds in. But it happened yep. on the Thursday. That one had, was it Monday or Tuesday? Um, yeah. Anyways, not on a Saturday. You need it to happen on a Saturday. To win the money with the Green Zone Tic Tac 20 contest. There's 13 games tomorrow in the National Hockey League. Okay, let's whittle it down here. Who's playing for $1,900 in the Green Zone Tic Tac 20 contest? 
If you are from outside of Pilot Butte, Saskatchewan, you're out. Okay, uh, you're not playing Jeez. for nineteen hundred dollars. <laughs> wow. Sorry, I've been... <laughs> wow. So a little some history there between Pilot Butte and you. <laughs> if you're outside of Pilot Butte, you're out. So if you if you have an address from Pilot oh, Butte, I see. Oh, okay, you're oh, in. I see. Okay, sorry, sorry. You're I, still I in, right? You're still in Pilot Butte. So there's not there's there's love between you and Pilot Butte is what you're saying. By the way, Sean from Pilot Butte, it's not you. So park the car. It's fine. <laughs> he texts and calls all the time, and I just realized he Sean's thinks it's going to be him, and he's like, ah, not you. You take back those mean texts you used to send me. Maybe <laughs> things would work out different. <laughs> If your name is Kurt from Pilot Butte, that's good news. If your name's Kurt from Pilot Butte, I can't imagine there's a lot of them. Why? Is Kurt not a popular name in Pilot Butte? Well, just Pilot Butte's not that big, so I can't imagine there's a lot of Kurt's from Pilot Butte. There's a few, handful. Are you going to be okay? That's the weirdest thing I think I've ever heard you say. Oh, gosh. All right. I love how you're milking this. Keep it up. Keep going. Oh, I'm out, oh. Of, I'm out of time. After the break, oh. we'll tell you which. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's like those house commercials. Yeah. We'll tell you which Kurt from Pilot Butte is playing for $1,900. <laughs> um, Kurt Matheson from Pilot Butte. Is playing for $1,900 in the Green Zone Tic Tac 20 contest. Uh, Kurt, producer Scott has a good feeling for you that at one point tomorrow in the 13 games, one of the 13 games tomorrow in the NHL is going to start with a goal in the first 20 seconds of the first period. If that happens, Kurt wins the money. If not, we're playing for $2,000. I'm telling you what, uh, the Boston Bruins are going to score five seconds into that hockey game because the Vancouver Boom. Canucks have uh, completely imploded. Uh, on yep. their season. Jamie Nye drew Amanda with you here in the green zone on a Friday afternoon. Uh, getting ready for a little bit of a mild weekend, although snow's going to start to fly around the province into Sunday, Monday. You can track the plows now at the highway hotline. Uh, for your travel needs around Saskatchewan, which is, I think, one of Drew Remenda's favorite inventions uh, is the track my plow option on the highway hotline. Got to start naming them, though. Got to yes. start naming the plows. So you can scroll over the plow on the highway hotline, and it's Plowy McPlowface or... Yeah, got Thomas the Tank, something like that. I'm trying to come yeah, up I with a name for Drew Remenda's plow. What would that be? I got a few, but I think I can say it on on the radio. <laughs> All right, it would be, be something about alone. it wouldn't be the plow or the plow operator. It would be something about the weather and the highway and our lazy ancestors. <laughs> uh, okay, coming up a little later on, as uh, we will be uh, joined by Robert Church, Saskatchewan Rush. Take on Halifax tomorrow. Superhero night at Sastel Center. I will catch up as the Rush have a two-game winning streak. Uh, both wins coming with the coaching change. Well, not really a coaching change. Jimmy Quinlan's still the head coach, but Derek Keenan 
uh, returned behind the bench uh, to pretty much run the logistics of some of the decisions being made. Um, Jimmy's now over more so on the offense. Derek Keenan's doing more of the strategic in-game decisions to help Jimmy out as the uh, co-coaches of the Saskatchewan Rush. But whatever, it's a two-game winning streak going up against Halifax on Saturday at Sastel Center. But now, a Friday face-off. Whose side are you on? This is Face Off. Each and every Friday, Drew and I take on the biggest sports stories, or sometimes the smallest, and we fight about them, and you decide uh, whose side you're on. Uh, This comes, I thought that I think this is one of the funniest things I've seen this sports season. Last night, the Phoenix Suns and uh, Dallas, and out come the Suns running out to the court for warm-up, and this is, what, 45 minutes before tip-off? There is nobody around, and you hear someone yell out, you, it's the B word, Um, female dog, B word, there you go. And Kevin Durant is like, it's too Kevin Durant. And he pulls the, excuse me, turns right around and walks straight towards them. And you can see him. It's like, are, are you serious? The funniest part to me, well, there's two funny parts. One is the fact they're the only people around. Like, there's no doubt who was yelling to Kevin Durant because there's only a security guard holding the rope and then these two, there might have been some day drinking going on that day. As a matter of fact, might have. It's don't want. I don't know their blood alcohol content, but I'm making an <laughs> assumption. They're holding beers, and, and they, yeah, they they weren't young. No, 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 they weren't young. These are grown ups. <laughs> These are grown ass people with gray hair. Continue on. <laughs> Okay, I lied. There's like four funny parts. Exactly. There's four <laughs> funny parts. There's exactly. Yeah. The the woman reaches out to get a high five. <laughs> to which Kevin Durant is like, no, you're not getting a high five. He he really said like, really, you're not. What are you? You're not kids. Like, come on. Like, grow up. You're calling me a b word. <laughs> And she's she like, no. puts out her hand. <laughs> she and then she keeps. It's almost if like you don't get gonna, the high five for six. Exactly. Gonna leave me hanging here, KD. Like, let's go. <laughs> What's up? Exactly. Yeah. And then the gentleman, and I use that term loosely, very loosely. I don't know where this came from. I don't. But you listen closely to the audio, and you can find the clip <laughs> at Green Zone SK on X slash Twitter. And watch this video, and you can hear him say, her brother, my brother-in-law, died four years ago. And I'm like, what is he talking about? And then he starts discussing, and I got a podcast, and that's the point when he said, I got a podcast where Kevin Durant went, peace, like, I'm out of here. I got to go warm up. 
But later, Kevin Durant came back, and that is when he started to see security getting involved talking to them, and he pretty well said, they can stay. I just wanted them to behave a little better than calling me the B-word. Now, we've had this conversation a lot on the Green Zone, especially with NBA players. We've seen LeBron, we've seen Russell Westbrook Brick get people tossed for taunting them, spouting off. Sometimes they use a little abusive language, um, not fit for radio language, and that's like immediately point at the security guard, yeah, get him out of here. Westbrook just did it a, just a couple weeks ago, yep. didn't he? Oh, yeah. he does it all the yeah. time. I think he's kicked all more people out of the NBA than he's definitely yeah. won playoff games. But uh, when you... that You'd be out for that. Oh, he you'd totally be out kicked, for that. You'd be gone. Yep, he would have kicked be, me out You for might that. be banned from the arena for that one. <laughs> I'll never get NBA accreditation to one of his games ever again after that. <laughs> but was Kevin Durant right to confront these fans? Or should he just have enough you know what, to just not worry about it and carry on. Was there any reason after someone yells, yeah, to even talk to them rather than just go, yeah, 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 I'm a pro athlete. I can take it. Things have been said worse to me probably on the court than what they just said and move along. one 332 8255 Well... Number one, that's not Kevin Durant. <laughs> like, let's look at Kevin Durant's history, his past. That's not KD. The way he did it, I appreciate it. Now, I have been been vocal about how how soft yeah, you, golfers you, you are. Yep. How how they got the rabbit ears up. Same with NBA players. But this way, this one in particular, I'm going with KD on this one because one, the way he handled it. He walked over, and I did love just the, the comic interaction of him coming over and sticking out the hand and waiting for it and all that stuff made me laugh. The way he was, he wasn't monstrative. He wasn't um, yelling and screaming, wasn't swearing back at them. He just said, hey, man, grow up. What are you doing? I like that. And I'm getting to the point, Jamie, where sometimes, you know, people – because they get emboldened by being on the internet and social media and they say whatever they want to say and, and write whatever they want to write because there's no fear of getting slapped in the face for it. So when Kevin Durant verbally slaps somebody back, which is the only way to do it, you can't physically do it to somebody, but it would be nice to some people every once in a while. Um, he verbally slaps them back and they melted. They just absolutely melted. It went from... No, no, you're the most awesome guy in the world. So in this instance, in this instance, I say, way to go, KD. Because producer Scott came into the Green Zone Lounge today and went right away. Well, can't, why can't he just move it along? Like, really? You really needed to engage these two drunks who are chirping you at an NBA? You can't be strong-willed enough to just... Let it roll off your back. Valid point. Valid point. I appreciated it just for the comedic value alone. <laughs> it was so good. 
It was one of the funniest interactions, not since who, what player was it? Was it Steve Sullivan in the NHL? Yes, with the, the guy on the with side. the guy yep. who and was chirping got, him, and then got and then cut by, by the puck. puck. Yes, and he and went by, yeah. skated yes. by, and yes. looks at him. <laughs> yeah, not He's since that, that have yeah. I seen yeah. a player slash fan interaction as funny as that last night. To yes. which the guy had no clue and was so uncomfortable, he started talking about his dead brother-in-law and his podcast to a near billionaire. NBA player like he gave a rat's behind. I was like, was he about to invite him on the podcast? Like, is that what's happening right now? I have a podcast, a dead brother-in-law. You want to join me sometime? But he never got to that point because KD had left. He's always, when, when Kevin Durant turns after that and he turns back to go onto the court, the look on his face and the whatever was was priceless. So Sean and Weyburn has already texted in. And regarding Kevin Durant, the NBA divas need to grow thicker skin. And we have said that here on the green zone. Yep, I wouldn't argue with that at all. No, I I would not argue with that at all. But in this instance, I'm on KD's side. I think we can look at here. We we need to look at every individual incident as a different circumstance. Exactly. That is a fair evaluation. We can do that. We can do that. But you're right. You know, Russell Westbrook, we've talked about. We've talked about LeBron. We've talked about other guys who who um, don't like what somebody says. Now, of course, we've also described the fact if it turns to a derogatory, racist comment, yeah, if you want to get the guy booted, get the guy booted. But we also have um, coaches saying, don't call a guy names and make noise when he's at the free throw line. Who play for the other team? <laughs> That's who ridiculous. stopped the game? Who stopped the game and got on the microphone to get after his own That's, fans? By the way, that was Co- Coach Popovich. What was that? Two months ago. Two months was ago. Like, hey guys, he tries real hard. Don't Kawhi. Le- poor Kawhi. Leave <laughs> Kawhi, Kawhi alone. You're gonna and hurt he- his feelings. And we spoke out about that. So you're right that they need to grow thicker skin, especially some of the people who aren't even in the game. Uh, Another text in here says, uh, other athletes should take a page from pro wrestling and learn how to chirp and react to the crowd. Agreed. Because they can do it like nobody's business. Embrace it. Embrace the heel role. Exactly. 1-877-332-8255. Do you think KD reacted appropriately to address his... haters (laughs) haters <laughs> or do you think like Sean and Weyburn said they need to grow some thicker skin and be able to just you know water off a duck's back and move it right along and don't even concern yourself with the day drinkers in the crowd this is 980 CJME <laughs> and 650 CKOM I'm having such a good time I'm having a ball don't stop me now if you want to have a good time just give me Jamie and I and Drew Remenda. This is a Friday edition of the Green Zone. Thanks for joining us. Well, the one-two page playoff game is set. And it is the two teams that pre-qualified for the Scotties as the top-ranked teams in the country. Jennifer Jones will play Rachel Holman in the one-two page playoff game. 
as Rachel Holman beat the four-time defending champions, Team Canada and Carrie Anderson. Uh, eight to four was the final in both games, as wow. a matter of fact. And Jennifer Jones beat Selena Sturmey. Uh, tonight, it'll be uh, Sturmey against Manitoba, and it'll be Anderson against Manitoba because three of the, or the four of the final six teams are all from Manitoba. Uh, so that goes tonight for the three, four qualifiers. I don't get this playoff format. I think it's ridiculous at the Scotties Tournament of Hearts right now, but okay, sure. Why do we have to adjust everything all the time? Exactly, exactly. Why can't we just be, you guys keep playing until the best team wins, and they just have, once you hit playoffs, this team goes against that team, that team goes against this team, and then that's it. And then we just keep working it down to one champion. Why do we have to do all these? I don't understand why they had to do the qualifier for the one-two page playoff game. I was like, just take the top two teams from each pool. They're in the one-two page playoff game and have the other teams just play one game to qualify for the three, four. If you want to do it that way and move it right along. I didn't understand why they had a game this afternoon to decide who goes to the one, two. What was the round Robin for? If the first place team in each pool didn't get some sort of advantage, their advantage was to take on the second best team from the other pool. Well, the third place team just got to sit there and watch this afternoon. Anyways, it's the same format as the Briar. So I'll just record this rant and play it back for you in about 14 days. <laughs> but you're right. And what the hell are you playing the round robin for? Uh, by the way, Craig Dickinson has a job, the former head coach of the yeah. Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I quizzed some people today. Well, where did Craig Dickinson get hired? Who, who hired Craig Dickinson? to be a consultant for the coaching staff. I had it down to two options. Um, Drew? Calgary, Alberta, Canada? His brother Dave hired him, yes, uh, to be a coach, uh, one of the consultants for the coaching staff of the Calgary Stampeders. The other team was reuniting with the Chris Jones, of course, uh, who was part of the coaching staff in 2015 when they won a Grey Cup together in Edmonton, but... He'll join his uh, brother Dave in Calgary as what they're calling a consultant right now with the coaching staff. 